we make this even louder, Rich? This is as loud as it goes. Drums, please. Eat that chest, Walt. You know what episode this is, Brandon? I know what episode this is. You know is. what else beats the chest? Brandon. An orangutan? Apes. Apes. Do you know who's after Rich Greenfield? Apes. I, I don't even want to start it. I'm too into this. Welcome, everybody, to episode 67 of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross with Walt Pysik and Rich Greenfield. Wipeout. What's up, guys? This week. Apparently, there was oh. some, um, it's really meta. some seven, seven foot breakers on uh, Long Beach. A friend of mine sent me this this week. Hopefully, not too many sharks, but seven foot waves in Long Beach. So all the sharks go to where there. you go, Walt. That's true. Well, Cape I wasn't. On, I don't. When go are you going to Cape Cod? Actually, that's in a week or two. So okay. Let's see. Hopefully, the sharks. Are you excited? Part by that. I'm very excited. Yep. Can't wait. See Rich. There. Rich is going. I think Rich's vacation is taken for him because he's dropping his daughter off at school in Miami. They right? are, and uh, the best part is it's. Um, I think it's COVID central, actually. So it's like, what better place to go right now? I mean, there's like no better place in America to go. I mean, maybe like then Miami. You can go to Arkansas. I mean, that's true. I could go to Arkansas, <laughs> but I mean, but like literally Louisiana Miami next week. Like, I can't think of like a worse place. Nah, to go. Nah, least- nah, 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 nah. The curve, the curve is turned there. Uh, did anyone, did anyone get COVID at your party last weekend, Rich? Not that I am aware of. There was no reported COVID cases, no, thankfully. Good job. It was outside in a tent. The, the best touch of the party, by the way, of Rich's party last weekend, was the slippers that had his daughter's initial on it that everyone, <laughs> initials on it that everyone got to have. I missed those. It was, <laughs> yeah. <is> it, <laughs> yeah. But I did have a, a very good conversation about Caesar salads. I found a, another fellow Caesar salad lover. Rich had a t- very tasty Aren't... Caesar salad at his wedding or his, at his, uh, party. his wedding. <laughs> I'm thinking about your wedding. It's coming. I mean, people quickly. called it the light shed bar, or bar mitzvah. So yes. it was it was a straight up bar mitzvah. Yeah, it, well, there was no of... like Coke or Pepsi or anything. Um, it was Mark did... tequila, though. There was oh, way yeah, there too was much tequila. tequila. I don't think I've um, ever drank that much tequila. I barely drank because I was the uh, the driver. So yeah, I should have taken I, that. I should have taken that strategy. I would have been better off. My, big, <laughs> my, biggest, my biggest disappointment of your party, Rich, though, was not seeing Mark Kelly, who I've now still not seen for over a year. I don't know. That what was absurd. Like. Um, he he looks like a muscular person with a big beard. He's normally very reliable. Everyone was putting an APB out for him. Joe Galone was calling all of his numbers. I know. I, I tried to call him. Joe tried to call him. Turns out, believe Everyone it was or not, about him. he was the star of the party. Some, somebody stole Mark Kelly's wallet and phone. Who did and this? Wasn't a random pickpocket. No, ap- apparently it was his like friend's wife or something who still Girlfriend hasn't admitted. But anyway, this actually wound up affecting even me a day later because I drove We went to the Mets game together and I drove him to pick up his wallet and the guy who stole or whose wife stole the wallet decided not even to come right. down with the Maybe wallet. Maybe they were afraid phone. of you, Brandon. Or, you yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you were the muscle. What? No, Mark's the, the muscle. muscle. We know that. No, I was joking, but, but I have the crazy eyes. This is going to tie in well to our Pirates of the Caribbean because wasn't the actress in Pirates of the Caribbean also a klepto? You're being an asshole. No, no. (laughs) Right? We're doing. You're making fun of my eye. No, I'm talking about Pirates (laughs) of the Caribbean. The actress from Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, was a klepto, right? She got arrested for for taking stuff out of stores. 
Am I, am I misremembering this? The one she was also in the, the recent Netflix show. Oh, and the, pi- and the boats are You're on. You're going to have to Google that because uh, I don't actually remember. The boats okay. are on the ocean, the pirate ships, and the ocean's where the surfers are, and the surfers wipe out, just like a lot of stocks this week wiped out. Tough, tough earnings week for some this week. Ah, but, but legacy but, media is back. I mean, this was a wow. surge for legacy media. I mean, we're buying, we're buying crap this week. So it's great. No, but all, I mean, like tough after hours and I came back a little bit on Roku. Zynga was holy hell yesterday. There were a couple of those, even out of our space fastly. Some of the, some of these other, you know, former flyers uh, got smacked pretty good this week. Koji had wiped out on their earnings, and yet the stock went up. The corporate business, which is a reflection of the return to New York or California or offices in general, validated all the concerns that we've been talking about in the podcast. And it was a horrible number, and yet the stock rallied because apparently people are streaming a little bit more in Europe, I guess. Their net-centric business had done pretty well. Well, but let's bring it to the first slide. Well, slide. Oh, 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 oh. Why don't you read Look it, at Walter? these segues. This is, I know. Well, that was that seven was segues in one intro. Wow. So, from New York Magazine, they say dining at restaurants, working out in gyms, and attending a movie or play in New York City will require poof, proof of vaccination. Poof um, of yeah, vaccination. Poof is what I in think the form about. of states vaccines report, uh, vaccines passport, the city's forthcoming app, or the CDC card given to people when they can receive a shot, which is, by the way, very easily replicatable. That CDC card. Um, so, you know, this is obviously still a big topic. Um, yeah. The scary thing is like, you know, do like how much do vaccines matter? I now know a couple of people um, with who had breakthrough cases. My, myself also. Yep. I was sick. Though. Not that I got it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Shit, I was just with you. There's anything wrong with being a no, breakthrough. But like, okay. Yeah. Uh, a couple of my friends who did some of the early fish tour, like their friends, they were. But guess with. what? They didn't go to the hospital. No, no, no. They were fine. Exactly. I mean, I had a friend that was, you know, she was, she was laid up. I mean, it was, you know, that she had um, pretty. I don't want to say severe, but full um, symptoms. But obviously, mm-hmm. didn't have to go to the hospital because she was vaccinated. But what was interesting is Cogent is saying like, oh, they thought Labor Day was going to be this turning point. And actually referencing Phil Cusick and JP Morgan was saying something about like, oh, well, in like New York and California where vaccinations are high, isn't that where people are going to stick to the plan of returning to the office on Labor Day? And then like within 30 minutes after the, the conference call ended, you see the headlines of Wells Fargo and, and BlackRock and all these places that have offices. On the so somebody the just Coast. said January, some big company. I forget who I just read in my news stories this morning. Just push back to January. And 22. there was someone there was someone else who pushed back. Yeah. Yesterday. Black these are all coastal, maybe, I think. But these are pushed all October. Yeah. No, no, no. We're talking right. NYC now. No, exactly. these, these breakthrough infections are just, are just half <laughs> happening at this point. It's it's a little scary, but I don't know anyone or have heard of anyone who was vaccinated who got like actually sick. Like a little bit of sniffles, thankfully. No, I know someone that was like laid up in bed, tired, you know, feverish, like real symptoms. But well, that, those are the symptoms I got when I got my second shot. Yeah. Well, I don't so know. It was a- Amazon. Amazon postponed till January 22. That was the, the big one um, that, that made the announcement, I think, yesterday. But I mean, look, it's also, you know, I mean, I think, you know, for from a Broadway is supposed to be reopening. It's certainly going to have it's certainly going to have an but impact requiring, on that. But requiring vaccination cards for Broadway, unlike yep. movie theaters. Well, everything in, in New York City now requiring it. For well, we don't know. Movie theater, sort of movie theater in New York City requires a vaccination card, Brandon? I think so. Am it's I wrong? Not, I well, know. hold on. It, or is it not clear, Rich? It, it's not clear. I mean, again, Broadway, there are people on stage. So I think that's probably being done most to protect the talent, I would assume, it's not clear. It, it it feels like if you read some of the words, you know, Broadway Mark and I have gone through it. Broadway, you need masks. Also, that was the thing with Broadway. Well, you're definitely going to need a mask. Go back, put, pull that slide theater. back up. Okay, here, because that kind of lays it out. This one dining says at it. restaurants, working at gyms, and attending a movie or play it require proof of vaccination. 
that's it. So yes, you need proof of vaccination. The thing that was different about Broadway was you also have to wear a mask. Um, LA has gone back to masks indoors, but what was amazing is Cinemark had their conference call this morning and they sort of were asked about sort of the worsening trends. And they were like, yep, this is sort of a hiccup in the recovery of box office, but we're really confident that by Q4, um, we are going to be, you know, you know, things are going to be essentially moving towards being fully back. And I'm like, wait a Dude, second. No one knows what's going on. First of all, the fact that there's virus still floating out there means mutation can still, you know, happen. We don't know what the next mutation is going to look like. It could be way more virulent than than the current form. It could be even more contagious than than the current form. No one knows what the fuck's going to happen. So it just well, is what it is at this well, point. I, well, then, and I think, you know, I just I'm going to audible the slides, but I think that's why, like when you look at Jungle Cruise, you know, doing thirty four million dollars at the domestic box office, it did another 30 million on Premier Access is great. But like the, the, the thing here, right, is movies can't do big numbers anymore. I mean, like you're just I think Black Widow's up to one hundred and seventy F9 is like one hundred and seventy domestic. But it it feels like a movie can no longer break two hundred million domestic. You, I just start wondering, like, do the studios start pulling their films from Q4? Like, do, do you want to put out a movie, a major movie? Like, does an MGM want to put out Bond if you can't generate more than 200 million of domestic box office? Like, it seems like financial suicide. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Disney reports on Thursday next week. I'm going that, to be could be a, that could to be a COVID or say. no COVID. No, Rich. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, even if COVID gets a lot better. That like we may not get back to being able to generate 200 million domestic. That's true. It's just I, right. I guess that's sort of the, the other question is, is like, is it ever going to snap back? But, you know, these are some of these movies are things you would have expected to do 300, 400, maybe even 500 million at the domestic box office. Not, you know, not these sort of paltry amounts uh, of box office. And they all all these films seem to be pretty front end loaded. And it seems to be, you know, to the point of what you and Walt were just talking about in terms of like sort of the noise around Delta getting worse. We've seen survey work saying that, you know, parents and, you know, you're starting to see more and more fear creep in about going to the movies. And again, I just keep thinking if I'm a studio, do I want to release movies if I don't think the consumer is really ready to go watch them in a movie theater? That I, I just think that's going to be a major question mark for all the media companies as well as the exhibitors as we move through Q4 and we deal with sort of the worsening industry uh, or the worsening health trends that we're talking about. A lot of uncertainty right now. Bottom line. So yeah, but the stocks. Yeah, go go ahead, I'm sorry, sorry Rush. No, I was going to say like just some of the stocks don't really reflect it. I don't think people are looking at sort of the risk to movie movie studio. Forget about exhibitors, but movie studio performance over the course yeah. of the next six months. Well, well, I was just, I needed to clean up some of my earlier comments. So what I confused was Jungle Cruise, a great, a great ride when I go to Disney World with Pirates of the Caribbean, another actually great ride. Now, stay with me here. Now, it's not Kieran Knightley that's the, that's, that's the, the um, klepto. It was Johnny Depp's ex-girlfriend, Winona, Winona Ryder. So there, my brain was like completely wrong in multiple different. I just want to explain. It's, a, it's, ama are, it's amazing. Know, it's amazing rides. how the brain puts things together. No, no, no. And it's how associ and how yeah, association works. There, you just basically got a ride through all the associations that happen in Walt's brain. <laughs> I will tell you though. I, I, Next I, slide. I, no, no, no. <laughs> I think we have to pause for a second. This is why I, I, I drink gin like, in order to remove those those different paths and try the, co the cobwebs and like. I had a great idea. I think we should have a light shed trip to Disney World. I would like, love I think, that. I think we, we should go. When COVID was go like really Disney kicking World. in and there was no one waiting in lines. Now we're going to have to wait in lines. We probably could, you know, we could get one of those VIP things and cut the lines, couldn't we? Okay, next. <laughs> uh, okay, we got Roku. This sort of ties into what Walt was talking about in, in, in the intro um, regarding Cogent. But uh, this was in the U.S. This was an interesting slide that Roku put up saying that for all TV platforms in Q2, so streaming platforms, I'm sorry, that um, time spent streaming was actually down or viewing hours was actually down 2%. 
sort of speaks to you know and some of the content difficulties that I know Reed Hastings had talked about at Netflix. We heard Stars last night talk about losing subscribers uh, in the U.S. on their D 2 C platforms. Again, not shocking given sort of the delays that you know sort of some of the the production. I, I, and uh, dude, and people had other stuff to do. Yeah, I, I mean, mean like, this isn't just the content delays, okay? I mean, we'll get to Zynga later, and we could talk about video game trends. Um, but look, like year over year, Q2 mega lockdown, right? To Q2 now, pretty open. There was less engagement in the home across everything, even secular winners. So this is yeah. this is not a surprise. No, but like I remember when Reed Hastings first pointed it out when Netflix is like first to report, people were sort of like, is this Netflix specific? Is competition hurting them? I, I think this sort of shows you that this is less about competition and um, more secular industry of what's happening year over year coming, you know, theoretically coming out of COVID. I think it'll be interesting what happens in, you know, as we move through Q3 and into Q4, much bigger content slate coming in Q4, actually monster f- content slate from all of these streamers on top Not of stranger it, things and dr- stranger things will be 2022. <laughs> That's true. Um, Speaking of Winona Ryder, <laughs> that was actually a great. Wow. That was good. All, I love how you brought that together. Love, love the threading here. Well, yeah, the, well, you know, people, we'll were gonna get, people were going to get excited about Ted Lasso, but I got to say my early review on that is not positive, Rich. Um, I, we'll see what the third episode is. I, I have not watched. I, I wait till it's done. Yeah. Um, well, it's not good. I've never and seen Jason, an episode I, And I tweeted this and Jason Sudeikis actually liked my tweet saying that it's really not that great so far. So do you think that means he doesn't think it's that great? <laughs> he knows it? No, no I think, I think he's just a troll. Clicking through. He's either a troll, which would oh, or, <laughs> or just clicking through to anything. Anytime someone mentions Ted Lasso, mentioned it, right. to hit the like button. That's I think fucking that's hilarious. Like the latter. Let's look the at only his thing I wanted likes to, later. The only right? quick thing like I wanted to point you guys are, love it. Uh, the only thing I wanted to point out on this that I thought was interesting as well, Roku's talking about this 19% year over year increase. Roku's also a global company. So, you know, it's sort of to Walt's point on international being strong. Roku's done more and more overseas. It's still very early in Europe, but Latin America. So part okay. of the Roku outperformance is global expansion, which okay. obviously isn't captured in the the, the Nielsen numbers in the global US. expansion off of low base very low base yeah sure. because right, it's but, not but like is, netflix Kojic, isn't a global Kojic business was referencing streaming activity european so right you know they're got different it, lockdown, got it, got different it, got vaccinations it. maybe that that is playing into the summer yeah uk's strategy. been a disaster for covid so maybe this part of this is you know benefiting well, from sort it's, of it's a surge coming back not, it really hasn't been a disaster yeah, i mean like the up. positive tests um have been a disaster but it seems like numbers in general, have been okay in the UK. They recently opened up um, at what seemed like a peak because of Delta, and then the numbers have have been reversing just like they did in India. So hopefully we'll hit the same thing in the US in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, Brandon, walk us through. I should play this audio first. So hold on. This is Match Group. Match is doing pretty well in the UK. So Match That was kind of a reopening. Another stock that got hit, by the way. (laughs) What you what's Match talking about? This is incredible. It's it's like it's impossible to set something up because you just go off onto your tangents. <laughs> he, he's like he's like those old guys in the Muppet Show, just like chirping from totally ignores that there's any other conversation. He just you know he his brain goes what? onto like autopilot. Like it's just amazing. What? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so here I'm going to play this audio you, clip and then what, Brandon, you can explain. What are you it. playing? An audio clip on Match. <laughs> We're increasingly confident that the lawsuits and investigations around the globe related to app store practices will result in changes to those policies in the not too distant future. Okay. It does not sound unconfident. No, I mean, this is what I don't understand is what has happened very recently that, you know, since the last time that anyone spoke to, to him, to, to Gary, that he's much more confident. Can is there was there a development recently? I haven't seen much on the Epic lawsuit at all no, in terms of timing. I mean, look, I think a lot of people developments in Europe. I mean, look, I, but in Europe, it's not so much going to be lawsuit. I think it's going to be more legislative and, and you know, we'll see what happens there. But 
Um, obviously, Apple a lot of those things down. start with lawsuits, though, right? Spotify, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I I found that interesting that he he suddenly came with that. We do know that Match has been spending a lot of time with lawyers and on investigations lately, though. So they got a maybe, big lawsuit. So, they got a big so trial maybe, coming up, right? Yeah, that's I. That's going to be an interesting one. Do you think these guys actually want to go to trial on that? It was like a what is it? A three or five billion dollar lawsuit. Sean, this is, for those who don't know, Sean Rad um, suing Match because he claims that um, they they screwed him over on um, on his stock and that he. I don't know. I don't even get it. He sold he sold stock rich um, and then said that it was at a lower valuation because of the valuation that match um, had printed on Tinder from an independent third party. And look, it it all comes down to whether or not Tinder or match was actually delaying the launch of new features to keep sort of right. the stock performance Tinder, down. Tin, right. Tinder gold to be specific. Yeah. Look, and it, right. Look, and I'm that, sure t- and that match knew that Tinder gold was going to be a mega hit. It turned out to be an absolute game changer. I, I will and, tell you, I am looking forward to seeing Barry Diller uh, on the stand. Uh, you know, Barry is usually great in front of a microphone. We've seen some priceless one liners. Yeah. Um, I think he'll be coached know, up a little better than he is on CNBC, though. Um, I'm still lo- loving the, uh, the the movie comment he made. By the by, so. the way, for those who have not read that lawsuit, it is a page. It's a turn. great read. It is a uh, great yeah. read. I, I recommend it, everybody. It would make a good spend, movie. Maybe we it, should put our link in the email that we send. Oh, out. we could do put that. Link, we could do that. It's a great the, read. Yeah. I only have a printout. Did, we have a link. You, I have a link. You have a link. We can make a, a link. Where did you print it from? Well, someone yeah. gave it to me. Someone but physically gave you a link. You when we no, when we were at BTIG, someone dropped it on my desk because that's when the lawsuit was actually filed. I have a digital copy. It's fine. I can make a digital copy. <laughs> it's now. it's it's a page turner. There's some interesting stuff that was going on there at the time. Okay. Can we? Can I, we? I let's go. Ruin it. Let's go to infrastructure, Walt. No spoilers. No um, spoilers. The, the I'm not even going to read the tweet because it's basically about the infrastructure bill that what that's one trillion dollars within that. What we would care about is broadband. There's a, an aggregate 65 billion, but it's really about 43 billion that's associated with um, grants to build out um, you know some competition and you know to provide internet connectivity to different locations. What's interesting, you know, rather than getting into all the details is there's a 20 meg in order to qualify for the uplink or the for the grant you only need to deliver 20 megabits per second of uplink and this is a topic oh, so charter you- qualifies <laughs> uh <laughs> yes they do um so and you're doing know, a speed our, test right now our listeners uh, you know have heard us talk about this well it's kind of ridiculous that that's that's the requirement but what it opens up is wireless and there, I don't have any doubts that the wireless, whether it's C-band or 2.5 or even millimeter wave, can deliver that type of uplink in order to deliver broadband. I'm not sure they're going to be excluded from you know this this opportunity to get access to this 42 or 43 billion dollars of of grants. So that's certainly interesting. Um, also, by the way, Rich still don't have uh, an appointment by. President Biden for the fifth FCC commissioner. I'm not sure what is going on. There's been more and more noise about it. I know you bring it up to me and I've like kind of poo-pooed you and said politics, but now there's an increasing amount of noise that we're hearing in DC and the Democrats not being able to figure out who they want to put forth for the fifth but, but, commissioner. But let's stop. Let's stop with the fifth commissioner. We don't even have an official, we still have an interim chair. We don't even Correct. have a full-time so you can't, chair. I don't, for, so I may be misspeaking on this, but but um, Commissioner Rosenworcel also has to be, or Chairman Rosenworcel now, or Acting Chairman Rosenworcel has to Intern. also be renewed. Um, you know, but that could happen as well. Maybe you know we'll have to see. But yeah, it's it's kind of a weird situation. Um, again, there's no major transactions in front of the FCC at the moment, so there's not a lot of kind of press about it. But you know, the president did 
take a big bow for you know this executive order about net neutrality, which is kind of just silly like to cares? say well, you should do net neutrality. Yeah, aside from not caring about yeah. whether it's going to impact it, but to say like, oh yes, we're doing stuff, and you're 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 sending this executive order to an FCC where, where you don't even have. You you yourself haven't appointed a fifth commissioner to to create a majority vote is kind of it's just silly. It's just silly. I just I just don't understand. Like we've got like we're all talking. Everything is talking about the metaverse and all of this gaming and two way interactivity and the future. And I'm sitting in New York City. Got the word. I can't get more. I can't get more than 20 megs upstream. I've got Altice building out fiber and actually laying fiber throughout their whole footprint and actually investing. And we've got Comcast and Charter literally saying, nope, it's fine. Don't worry about the upstream. Docs is 4.0. We'll figure it out. We'll be able to do a higher splice and we'll figure it out over time. But it just seems incredible. Europe is laying fiber. Altice is doing fiber. Competition is coming, Rich, whether the government is going to pay for it or not. I mean, you've got ATT and and Frontier and a number of other companies that are building um, fiber to the home. So competition is on its way for some markets, but obviously the government wants to address the markets where there's maybe not as much of a financial incentive um, to build fiber and to you know improve the connectivity for, for a lot of Americans. So wipe out. Um, talking about Cable wipe companies, out. wipe out. No, no, this, this seems like a wipe out, Brandon. Why don't you read this one? This is from the Wall Street Journal. Shares of Tencent Holdings and rivals plummeted as a state-owned Chinese newspaper called Online Gaming, quote, opium for the mind, saying excessive gaming could have ill effects on children. Okay. <laughs> is it opium for the mind? I mean, look, I like taking a step back, uh, obviously, um, Chinese government has been a theme that is affecting all of our companies, um, especially in the game space um, right now, uh, and goes way beyond that. I you, I talked to Jesse about what she's doing, like in terms of um, her design stuff and like getting packages from China and getting stuff from factories and the costs of it everything's kind of going through the roof right now still. Yeah. I think those crate numbers are now up to like $20,000 a crate. That was the latest data. So it's still, yeah. But is our video games opium for the mind? I mean, TV, well, I remember when they called, they, they used to call TV opium for the mind. Was it, was it Nancy Reagan that used to call violent? Like, wasn't there like when we were kids, like there was yep. a kind of a, a pushback on violent games and, Yep. Yes, I mean, that, that was a whole other of, thing, though. Remember when they put I mean, ratings I'll tell you on video games? The most opium of all the uh, all the online things that are the opium for the mind. I mean, TikTok. Yeah. Is, is the ultimate opium for the mind. Well, I mean, that's like, just a wrote black that, hole of usage. Look, we wrote a blog a few weeks ago about sort of the goal of all of these tech companies is is addiction, right? I mean, they want time spent. Instagram was addiction or is addiction. TikTok is addiction. Snapchat's addiction. Like all of these are focused. Chinese company, right, Rich? Uh, They are Chinese. I wonder what the government's correct that that they don't want to, you know, but not to defend the opening of the mind, not to defend like the video game industry necessarily, but there's been a lot of good that's come out of interactive media in the last, especially through the pandemic ways to gather Sure. socialization right sure. there are also educational I, I, games i would the actually say gaming like i would actually crazy. say gaming is less lonely and sort of less sort of like tunnel oh, for sure you know than than a lot of the other activities watching tv watching netflix i mean think about it i mean the average person's watching you know the average household's watching two to three hours of netflix a day um i just saw benedict evans just posted a tweet UK 16 to 24 year olds watch more Netflix and more YouTube than all live TV combined. Like, and those and are I'd obviously rather, not interactive. But hold on. But yeah, exactly. And, and well, neither point, is TV. So that's, right. that's oh, like a market share that's thing. A, that's but, yeah. Point. And, and like, I'd rather have my kid gaming and then talking to his friends yes. on Discord while gaming yep. and down the TikTok sinkhole, or even though it's great, I love TikTok, um, <laughs> or Netflix. Even though that's great, Rich loves uh, Netflix. Um, yeah, think, it's obviously more. But I, I agree the, with you. There are the, here's the problem with with some types of games, right? Especially mobile games are built 
to have, you know, addictive loops that so are is, just, so is TikTok. You know, for, so is TikTok. For, the, for, the pur- for the purpose of monetizing. And, and that's pretty much it. Right. That's, like, that's the goal. If you talk, no, I, I, I guess that, I guess that goes back to, um, to, to Rich's point before. There's like mobile mobile games specifically. Like we talk to people about there's hey, game mechanics. We'll, it's called we'll, game mechanics. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, there's different types of game mechanics, though, Rich. We talk to people about, oh, will Netflix succeed um in making mobile games? And someone we were talking to, you know, in the industry, Rich, was like, well, um, but it's that they're not gonna have um monetize, they're not gonna monetize through through ads or in-game purchases. So right. people aren't going to know how to make games for that because the whole the whole point for all the mobile games is to create those addictive loops. I, there's no doubt in my mind that you can create addictive loops without having to actually pay in virtual currency. Angry Birds used to be super addictive. We were all playing Angry Birds a lot and you used to buy it for 99 cents and then you never had to spend again. But people spent an awful lot of time playing Angry no, Birds. No, there's definitely the industry shifted getting, because they getting back they to the Netflix thing. No, they're right. And I think game developers, if given, I don't know, what what's Netflix in a couple of years will have, what, a $25 billion budget? If they take 10% of it, $2.5 billion and give it out to developers, I am sure that somebody will be able to come up with a game a for mobile or not that doesn't have addictive uh, that's built without addictive loops that's extremely high quality okay let's let's stick on gaming we'll and move to, to zynga uh we've got um frank jabot uh ceo you've got a quote from got a jabot it's uh, a nice shirt yeah. sweater combo he's got there okay hold on let me play the audio yeah, I think if you look at the two factors that we're dealing with in terms of the reopening with audience choppiness and then IDFA, you know, we, when we talked about IDFA before, we had said that it was going to be a short-term headwind that we would work through because of our advantages in scale in advertising and product management. We remain committed to that. Uh, what we're already seeing an improvement in early UA trends. Really what had to happen was new tools, new ad products, the networks need to retool. We needed to look at real data in terms of the supply and demand factors. And that's what, when, when iOS hit 80% in June, you know, that, that June period in July is really working through that. And so Brandon, we're six heard, days into August, by the way. All right. I have to get a few things off my chest right now. Okay. First of all, early on before IDFA, even was finally launched, right? The one company of all the ones we spoke to in the games industry that poo-pooed IDFA the most happened to have been- Downplayed. Okay, whatever. I mean, in multiple conversations that we had, like group meetings, publicly, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it may be, happened to have been Zynga. Okay, so that's number one. They said that because of especially their scale, first party data, especially given the acquisitions that they made, that it didn't like they they could they had no problem whatsoever. It was subscale players that were going to have problems. Meanwhile, there have been three. Well, the three major U.S. publishers all reported um, earnings. Right, who have some mobile businesses. Oh yeah, Activision has a huge mobile business in King, right? Take-Two has a smaller but growing business. Um, EA, what did they say about, what did like they say about IDFA? A, a directly asked and no problems with IDFA. I think I even tweeted, um, I think it was EA's um, or maybe it was Activision's response on it, but they were all no, no problems with IDFA. But then the company that, you know, was there saying that, it wasn't going to be a problem. Suddenly it's a problem. And now they're telling you it, you know, it, things are starting to get worked out. I think they called out the unity platform as working better than others um, for CA for customer acquisition. Um, But I don't know, man, 
they still yeah. they still cut you, that. Your guy point is just your point is it just seems the whole thing seems odd. Is, is your it's point. it's interesting now? Look, yeah. are there are there companies that are struggling a little bit because of the IDFA situation? Yes. In our venture business, we have spoken to small companies that are having trouble with the elevated costs of customer acquisition, but they don't have that, you know, first party data that Zynga had talked about. The other thing with Zynga here is clearly that Graham gaming acquisition merge, the merge franchises is not doing well was doing well and it certainly is slow yeah was doing well certainly i mean slow it it seems like that's you know the biggest kind of reason for for the cut to the guide um and look you're making acquisitions you're essentially a roll-up now you know who who knows they made an acquisition yesterday keep all of these games going they did, interestingly announced a golf game over in yeah. Europe, I believe this is I know, I, I this is where. the second golf game that got bought. Um, Warner's it, golf game got bought recently too, right? From AT and T. Golf is hot. <laughs> is it? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, the whole IDFA thing. What, what do you think, Rich? What do you think the I, impact I, I, is? Do you think this is like a, a just a near term headwind? I think it's, you know, look, it causes a bit of a shift over to Android in the short term. I don't think it's a huge issue. Um, I think as you can even hear, even from Zynga, like it's relatively short term. Things are being retooled. I don't think this is like an, oh my God, you know, Facebook made a lot of noise attacking Apple because I think it was A, annoying, B, cost them money, did a lot of customer education. But is but the it, reality but is, is, it, but is, it, is it short term? Yes. I mean, I think there's we're 100 percent positive. I mean, look, look, look work I, I would never say 100, percent but everyone's you know the the fact that you're seeing all of these major companies come out. You know, you pointed to EA, Activision, and Take Two. These are massive companies that use com- things like Facebook and Instagram for user acquisition. Mm-hmm. The fact that this isn't you know quote unquote a major data point. Um, I think I, I know, but know. it's it was for Zynga. That's I mean, that, hence the confusion here. Yeah, but they already said it's getting better in August. So, like, I don't know. I mean, uh, do you know t- what? Do you know what today's date is? It's August. August what? I don't know. Sixth. Okay. Do you know so what yesterday's date was? August fifth. When do you think the transcript was written? August fourth. Okay. I'm just saying it's getting better. I mean, just think like if by I, my guess is by January 22, IDFA is something we don't even talk about ever again. So sure, short term pain. On the but by the way, Rich, on the flip side, maybe it isn't that big a deal, and Zynga is just having problems. Could be. It, it could be an excuse. Let's go to Activision, Brandon, because they definitely had some big issues this week. <laughs> Unexpected. Okay. Yeah. Breaking Blizzard president J. Allen Brack is leaving the company. Activision just told staff Jen O'Neill and Mike. I can't even, I don't, Barra. Barra will, I actually should know that considering I listen to conference calls. We'll take over as co leaders of Blizz, of Blizzard. Um, And then from Polygon, Activision Blizzard reportedly loses T Mobile as sponsor for Overwatch and Call of Duty esports leagues. Now, I'm not going to get into sort of, you know, what caused this. Uh, obviously, there have been some working conditions that have not been right um, at Activision um, for a long time. So let's just sort of think about what the consequences here are. You have a change in leadership at Blizzard. This is the second change in leadership in a couple of years since yeah. Mike Morheim left. Um, Look, I, you know, Call of Duty, you know, Activision division doing just fine. The, the unlock for this company is getting Blizzard right. And now you have a management change at Blizzard. Uh, does that affect the release schedule of the, you know, several things that they have lined up? I don't know. They said there's a lot of content coming in the next 18 months. Um, and what about the talent dream? It's something that people have talked about, 
um, for Blizzard for a while. Riot got a lot of talent, which is natural because they're both LA based. We've talked to other publishers who said there's a ton of talent of Blizzard talent out there now, like more than they even need. I, Look, the stock is up a lot from pre-COVID, but it's obviously down year to date. Clearly, Blizzard's a fear. Blizzard is worrying people. There's no doubt about it, right? Well, I, mean, I think the whole games industry has, you know, also been worrying people. But, you know, and then the other question is, does this streaming kind video? Of- everyone's worried about like massive secular changes because we come out of COVID. Although maybe we're not coming out of COVID fully, but I just think it's funny. Yeah, who knows? Like, oh my Again, God! Back on streaming. Team. Streaming's dead. Video games are dead. Like no, these are fundamental shifts, uh, secular shifts. Well, that aren't I mean, going what's inter- what's interesting about video games, and if you looked like both EA, actually, all three of them um, really highlighted this. I mean, like engagement, revenues, whatever it is, bookings. Um, are up pound for pound huge still over 2019 right even if there was a little step back um from 2020 as you would expect um so still a fucking huge secular winner there and as we talk about things like the m word um and (laughs) um some of the ugc platforms I like the world is going to continue to be more and more interactive. Speaking of uh, interactivity, we've got um, uh, Sarah Fisher from Axios tweeting, breaking Penn national gaming doubles down on its media acquisition strategy, buying Canada's the score for 2 billion, about 2 billion in cash and stock. The scores become one of the most popular mobile sports betting apps in North America. That's an important word because I think it's more Canada than it is in the yeah. U.S. Yeah. Whatever. Leave it be. Penn acquired 36% of Barstool Sports in 2020 for $163 million. So, uh, look, I guess what's interesting about this, I mean, first of all, I got attacked for saying nobody uses the score because all these, uh, you know, sort of um, gamblers attacked me saying they love the score and it's great for if you're a sports better, uh, the score is a great app for that. Um, I, you know, again, I'm not an aggressive sports well, gambler. Do so you use the score? I do not. Okay. Just curious. But, but Dave Portnoy has been a longtime fan of the score. I think he's liked it. He talked about it on the conference call yesterday. He about, uses it. Or and he wanted to buy it, it years ago. Um, but like, I, I think the, 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 what the interesting thing is, is what Barstool and Penn are trying to do is tie together a social media company or social media platform, a casino slash sports betting, eye gambling platform and technology, mm-hmm. and a sports media. Because Barstool, very clearly from the moment we met Barstool, they did not want to be considered, you know, ESPN or Bleacher. Like they always thought of themselves as we're comedy in sports, but we're not a sports. We're great on social, but we're not yeah. a media company or news and content. The score is clearly a sports media app. Like it's where oh, you mean, go to check scores real, and things checking, like that. I mean, checking scores. <laughs> it's in the yeah, name, it's like right? the Sports Center app used to be. Remember what it used to be called Sports Center? Uh, you know, the the ESPN app used to be called Sports Center before they rebranded it. Uh, that's what they're trying to be. So, like, I get how they're trying to pull all the pieces together. The idea is, hey, you two had to billion. Get- because get launching an app is impossible, and rather than launch a barstool news app or yep. a pen you know, pen bets uh, or a pen, you know, sports app, they're buying users for two are buying a- installed app yep. base for $2 billion. It sounds like a huge number. And on uh, Ontario is actually a big market. What is it like? Yep. It would be equivalent to like the fifth largest state. And that's no. where many, many, many of their active users are. So you have that. And they talked a lot about the technology at the score as being something that that um pen actually rather than needed. outsourcing so rather I than outsourcing. yeah i can't exactly put a dollar figure on that but like the bottom line was i think jay said net 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 this could be like 500 million of adjusted ebitda accretive at some point i guess we take their word for it if that's look, if that's the case two billions a drop in the bucket look strategically i'm far more intrigued by it than what i was when i first saw it i'm still 
a little mind boggled by the valuation, although you know we've seen a lot of crazy valuations on transactions recently. So uh, maybe it's just where we are in the market and, and the sort of the valuation dynamics out there. But um, we'll see. I think it's certainly interesting in terms of how they're trying to put all the pieces together. Uh, let's move on to, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, Rakuten? Rakuten. Rakuten. Rakuten is I'm sure someone will listen to this and send a correction. I get corrections on the way I pronounce things now. Like we correct Rich like every week. I believe this is Rakuten. So if you want to correct me, send me a, shoot me an email. <laughs> Happy to discuss it. So Rakuten is acquiring, is acquiring Altio Star. Rakuten is a Japanese effectively, well, aside from their internet business, is, is, has a wireless network in Japan. But part of, they were kind of the early pioneers in this open, ran, virtualized world. What, what I've talked about on this podcast before as the future of 5G networks. Altio Star was a separate company that they were partnered with that had the software layer and had raised money. And, and uh, Rakuten had been one of the primary investors in, in Altio Star. So, but what Rakuten wants to do is not only provide a wireless network of the future in Japan, but also provide this as a technology solution. And for those of our listeners that have been following what's going on with DISH, DISH also in the United States wants to do this next version of a 5G network. And early on, Charlie Ergen would get on his conference calls and talk about Rakuten as a partner and point to what they're doing. What ultimately happened, however, is that DISH did not select Rakuten as the technology, full technology stack solution. So what's happening here is Rakuten is like taking this software element and kind of making it a full stack. So it's like, it's almost like if I'm an operator, I could choose between a Rakuten solution, which would maybe open up some other radio vendors or Nokia. So it's, it's, it's almost like it's, it's making it a harder decision. There are other competitors to Rack, to um, Altio Star, Mavenir for one, which I think Dish is using. So it's just kind of an interesting development of the market. It's a different type of lock-in. I'm not sure everyone wants to get locked in to, to Rakuten. And importantly, I think Rakuten has some investments in China. So this is, Altio Star is a US company. This was identified um, under Trump's administration as an important kind of pushback to Huawei and, and all these Chinese vendors. So there could be a CFIUS review of this. We'll see how that how that goes. Um, is, one is last, there, okay, I'm sorry. One, just one last thing yeah. on this, Rich, is, which is don't forget, Charlie Ergen has a SPAC. So whether it's Altio Star, which got bought for a billion dollars, which has been the size of these type of SPAC type of things, or maybe Mavenir, like there are other options out there that you could see, you know, kind of develop in the marketplace. Is there an obvious reason why from a technology solution, you choose one of these, like whether it's Mavenir or Altio Star? One's or better Nokia? than the other. And I mean, but ultimately, if you pick Altio Star, it's your own version of lock-in because then every radio has to plug and play into what you're doing. Um, you know, with with Altio Star. So I think, you know, some people would say just stick with Nokia, Ericsson, maybe even Samsung. And because it's it's hard to get fired for a vendor that's been there a while, but Nokia has kind of really faltered. I mean, they really kind of screwed Verizon and Verizon is in the process of shifting to Samsung. So, and again, there's the benefit of like having multiple vendors, which enables um, development of new technologies. Like if you enable new money, new venture money to go in, you're going to get technically better products. And this could be something that really um, provides a competitive advantage to DISH if, if they get this stuff off the ground. And by the way, all the indications, SBA had a, had a report of their quarter. You, we've seen other shit on Twitter. Like DISH is not just fucking building in Las Vegas. They are aggressively out there um, putting towers up. So, um, you know, just an interesting development in that kind of new world of 5G technology space. So we've got Reese Witherspoon tweeting, what a tremendous day. I'm deeply proud of the Hello Sunshine team that got us to this incredible moment. And I'm thrilled to be partnering or working with Blackstone. Kevin, which is Kevin Mayer, uh, former Disney and TikTok, and Tom Staggs, former Disney um, number two, to grow a next generation media company. And the, the headlines here were really misleading. Like you saw lots of headlines saying $900 million takeout of Hello Sunshine, and it's really bullshit. Uh, what's really happening is it's about a, you know, we're, we're essentially um, creating a new company where, you know, some of the original 
uh, investors are being bought out, AT&T, uh, Emerson Collective. But the the management and Reese Witherspoon and Sarah Harden and the whole management team uh, of Hello Sunshine that built this thing is basically rolling their equity into a new entity to go out and do more and to build a larger sort of omni-channel media company. What I mean by that is it's not just about creating TV and film. It's about book clubs. It's about podcasts. I mean, it, it's a trying to figure out how you build um, a new media business or new content production business in, in 2021. And you just sort of think about sort of combining sort of the, the presence that Hello Sunshine has today with, you know, two of the top executives, you know, Kevin Mayer, who led D to C and, and, you know, has certainly before that led all of the deals and transactions like Marvel and Lucasfilms and Tom Staggs, who's run multiple divisions as long as well as being CFO of Disney. And it's just, it's a fascinating combination and who knows what they actually do. But it's a fascinating sort of, you know, management team slash asset collection to sort of build a new media or new content company on. And so we'll see. But I just think it's funny, like people are trying to like say, oh, well, if you put this multiple on other things and it's sort of bullshit because this is more about creating a new venture than it is like a takeout the way Amazon bought out MGM for, you know, what was it? Headline um, number is pretty big. It's a very big number, but it's misleading because it's not actually, you know, buying out the company and taking it over. So this it's really is like rolling. an NFL contract where the headline number might be misleading about what the player <laughs> actually gets paid. Co- correct. It's very, you. very misleading. Sorry, Although, Reese. look, you know, I mean, look, the reality is it's a business that supposedly done 60 million of revenue last year is going to do, you know, 120 million, um, you know, this year or something and kind of get to That's cash flow. Numbers. Yeah, but that not see what's interesting about it to me, Rich, is that like we talk about like this cost plus model as being like such a good studio model when you when you make stuff for streamers. Shouldn't the studio be ca- cash flow positive or EBITDA positive under that? Like, what am I missing here? Or is it just like a subscale <laughs> thing? Well, I think you're still very early in the creation of this company. And two, they don't own a lot of their own IP, right? Like when when they do a show for HBO or they do a show for Netflix, you don't generally control the IP. And so you're you're selling it. Um and cost plus know, though. Like so shouldn't you be making a margin? Sure. Uh, but what yeah, well, like what am I missing? Like that was like the whole thing. Like when we talked about like the studio model of the future going from taking like a lot of risk to shore, you know, cash flow. I think part of it's two co-productions. So you're splitting the economics with somebody else. It's not always your full production dime. So it just th- thin margin business, especially early on as you're building. But obviously you're pumping in a lot of capital now to change that. Maybe they make gross pop profit plus. <laughs> gross pro- I mean, well, no, that's what it, no, that's literally what it is, right? So is there just so much overhead and then you fold it into something bigger, you you get rid of the overhead and then it becomes a profitable entity. It's just still also interesting that this A24, whatever, you know, all of a sudden everyone's for sale. I'm not sure that's really true, but we'll see. We'll see whether everyone really gets sold. Let's move on to Spotify. They're testing a new less Are they restrictive- not for sale? Well, everything is for sale, right? Oh, okay. Spotify is testing a less restrictive ad-supported tier costing 99 cents. So advertising has gone from free. Now they're saying for 99 cents, you get a little bit more functionality, not the full ad-free experience you get on the 9.99. The only thing I think that's interesting about this is it shows that Daniel Eck, well, (laughs) no, because I mean, we had Daniel Eck, Spotify founder, uh, co-founder on Lightshed Live probably a year ago, a little over a year ago. And He's talked about how advertising is far more important in his mind than it used to be for the company, that he really thinks that there is an ad-supported business for Spotify. Don't you think if you want it or you don't, like either I'm going to pay to have no ads or I'm just going to deal with ads. Like what is this tweener? Just a little bit more functionality. Okay. Uh, Oh, here it is. Unlimited skips and some on-demand listening. It's, it's just giving based. you a little bit more functionality. You still have to listen to the ads. You can't get I rid mean, of the ads. So for our Google podcast listeners, um, I guess I would pay a little bit more if you could let me play YouTube in the background and rather well, than paying can. the full McGill. I know you can get that, but I don't want, I don't care about the ads and all the other stuff. All I want you is would to be just able to like play to pay for background. background. Yeah. So 
If you want to give me that, then maybe I see that. I'll pay a dollar for that. I guess it's interesting in that it allows Spotify to build that extra engagement, right? Without violating the deals that they have with labels that they can't offer that type of functionality for free. So they essentially offer that functionality for free, right? Build extra engagement with the better product and then pop the ad business um, behind it. Yeah, but it also could just be the ad business is better than we thought, something we've heard. Well, it is. I mean, yeah, we know. Right. And so maybe the labels are getting more comfortable. So maybe labels are getting more comfortable with the ad supported version of Spotify. Remember, Apple has no ad supported version. Amazon has no ad supported version. Maybe this is the labels going, you know what? There's real dollars here and we're willing to sort of play ball on advertising to grow the market because the market at $9.99 maybe just isn't as big as people thought. That could be the when, other side of our podcast going to get on Spotify, Rich. Where, what's the status? Any of week, any week. We are working on it soon. Very soon. That could really expand our numbers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Tom, so we've got Tom Ryan, uh, the, the co-founder or founder of Pluto uh, TV, which sold to Viacom, uh, tweeting from a contrarian idea, which was creating sort of free, you know, what was originally YouTube videos, but then became premium content. Yep. Um back to back um, in a linear fashion from a contrarian idea to a 1 billion in annual revenue in seven short years, nosebleed growth, Pluto TV pioneered free ad supported streaming and continues to extend its lead in the category, amazing work team. And um, it's pretty incredible. incredible. Yeah. It's really rich. When Tom came to our office the first time, when we first met him, when this was, I mean, this was a paper. It was more of a YouTube business, right? It was like, yeah, it it was. What is Pluto, a long Pluto TV? Is this like a space channel? No. So Pl- <laughs> uh, Pl- Pl- Pluto out. is, you know, essentially Wipe just, out. Well, you could probably watch Wipeout uh, videos. Uh, there's probably plenty of old from MTV. MTV. Sure. It's just I'm MTV sure the old MTV. And why is comments? that? Because no, who, owns, just, who owns Pluto now? You can actually, well, speaking of your beach, Viacom. Yes. Speak, speaking of the beach, you could watch Baywatch on repeat every single episode back to back. There's a Baywatch well, channel a big just Dave, for you. David Hasselhoff fan. A billion dollars for Baywatch? What was that kit thing? Remember? Oh, oh, Knight Rider. I wonder if Knight Rider is on. There, there must be a Knight Rider channel too, I bet. Did you like that with the little black, the red light the that went back car. and forth? Yeah. The DeLorean uh, yes, or whatever. Like Knight Rider, but I was, I was more a uh, fan of... Um, uh, Miami Vice, and there's there's an interesting thread on the on the Twitter talking about all the famous people that were guests. Yeah, Hershorn. Did you see that I one? Saw that. It was yeah. Amazing. yeah, yeah. Can I get Miami Vice on uh, on the Pluto, Rich? I'd have to check. I don't know that. Okay. We can have Mark well, check. Maybe I'd, I'd pay a dollar. Mark, why don't you check so if there is a Miami Vice channel? While I'm Vice handing out dollars per month for things, I'll th- I'll give you a dollar for Pluto. How much do they charge Pluto TV? Nothing. Oh, it's it's free. That's the whole point. Oh. Free. It's free. <laughs> Jesus Sorry. Christ. Speaking of advertising, oh, Edwards, guys, what, a, what a segue again. Uh, Carolyn Everson is the new president of Instacart, joining fellow former Facebooker Fiji Simo. So you've got sort of two of the most powerful executives at Facebook, both going over to Instacart. If you think about it, Amazon's built a massive advertising business by putting sponsored listings next. You know, you search for something and they have sponsored listings. It's very clear Instacart has that same ambition to build a very large advertising business. And you've got sort of Fiji who ran Facebook Blue and before that Facebook Video. And you've got Carolyn, who was the sort of the most important executive globally running their advertising business coming into Instacart. They're both doing a lot more than building an ad business, but you know their expertise is in leveraging and building and those advertising relationships. It's just interesting. I, you know, I don't think we would have thought about Instacart a year ago as being a massive advertising opportunity. And certainly with that type of talent they've brought in, my guess is we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, it's, we've got what? It's Google, Facebook, and Amazon as the top three advertising players. You know, you sort of wonder, like, can, can Instacart be a major player um, in advertising over the next, you know, call it three to five years? That's what, you know, at least has me thinking about. Facebook's a metaverse company. Well, that's actually the perfect transition, Brandon. I don't think you could have teed that up any better because our final slide is the fact that Sinclair, for some reason, <laughs> believes that they are also a metaverse company. This is from the streamable quoting the conference call. 
Sinclair CAO thinks they're direct to consumer regional sports network product, which doesn't even exist yet. And I don't think anyone's actually yeah. going to pay $25 a month for, but if it did, will be the sports metaverse. Quote, we're able to create a metaverse where we can serve up a more personalized and optimized experience for the viewer. I don't know. This was the I don't second, think he knows what a metaverse dude, is. This was the second time that they used metaverse on this call. The first time, which got me tweeting and I never tweet. So <laughs> was when he said that a marketplace was a metaverse. It's sort of what incredible. isn't a metaverse. I it just the, the metaverse, the people are just totally destroying the use of the term. Like, it's just amazing to me that like these well, have I nothing I, to I do. I thought I knew what a metaverse was because Brandon explained it to me. And then I heard Matt Ball describe it on CNBC and I got confused again. I just got lost in a bunch of buzzwords that were kind of mashed together in the explanation. <laughs> I actually listened to like Good Time the other night, did a metaverse. You were episode. on Clubhouse? Yeah. I and I like, I was like, I got the alert and I was like, all right, I'll listen to this. Oh boy. Were you on it, last night? Because I went on to check no, it in. I, I said, definitely wasn't. So on it last showed night. you on last night. I, I absolutely was not on last well, night. Then, then they're basically juicing their online numbers. The, for the their, only time for I go presence. on is when I accidentally click on one of those alerts because I get too many alerts well, and I accidentally off. click on. Well, so what did you hear on Clubhouse, Brandon? Because I did a quick scan through and it's it's even worse garbage than it was before. I mean, this this was the best and brightest minds in, in venture talking about the metaverse. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave I'm just gonna leave it at that. Uh, what else from uh wipeout? <laughs> oh, wipeout. <laughs> Speaking of wipeout, do we have something else from Sinclair, Rich? Um, well, we do. Hold on, I'll I'll bring it up. Um, what? There is more Sinclair? I didn't know I there, thought was, there was a second. Sinclair. I thought there was a yeah, second. Yeah, there tweet was. There. I, I can show the second tweet on the slide. Hold on. I thought. What? Bally. Yeah, sorry, yeah, it just says Bally oh. Sports DTC products still on track for first half of 22. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, look, we, I, it's funny. We put that on there just because it's so comical that they're still talking about launching. They don't have all the sports rights to do it. It's in every market, it's different. They keep talking about the fact What's that they're the going to launch. What's the target market, Rich? What's the target market for the people DTC who, product? Well, it depends. They don't have rights to put all of their regional sports. Sometimes it's only sort of the extra games that sort of used to be on broadcast. Like we don't, we don't even really know what games are going to be available for their DTC product. Product, hmm. but but the, but the big thing, the, the thing that this management team is like crazy for not talking about is if they launch a direct to consumer product, they keep talking about sort of why it's going to be this big win for them. What they don't talk, they say it's a huge win even if only five percent of our footprint takes the $25 a month service. What they don't say though is what is Charter, Comcast, DirecTV, all of these companies, Dish, going to do to them if they, actually, Dish doesn't matter because Dish doesn't carry them. Although that Dish contract is up on their broadcast TV stations over the next couple of weeks. And they didn't really talk about that either. But but going back to what the major companies are going to do, like Comcast and Charter, what do they do? They Do they tier the RSNs? Do they drop? I mean, it, it's just there is a, there's going to be, be interesting. And, and by the way, OK, with those those same deals, no one talks about this, but all of the content that's being moved, especially to AVOD um, by by cable networks, is that going to affect affiliate fees? It's a great question. I, I don't know. I mean. Look, all because, of this I mean, stuff, may, maybe the fact that nothing seems to be coming in that has emboldened Sinclair a little bit. Um, it's or maybe they're possible. fooling themselves. And this is just yeah. another wipeout. But you get a lot of people who, you know, if you think about it, there is a lot of focus on differentiated content, like the content that you can find on Paramount Plus is not you know there's little pieces of it but it's actually different content i can't hear sinclair you. is talking about sinclair is talking about exactly the same content being on yeah platforms. no exactly yeah. that's where i think it gets very very messy can you actually do that with cable networks no one's tried to do what sinclair is trying to do espn's even saying hey we're not ready to simulcast monday night football because we're scared of what would actually happen to our business so i feel like if ESPN's not ready to do it, 
Sinclair is going to choke on this, but we'll see. I think yeah. it's going to be an interesting wipeout to watch. I hope they do because I'd love to see this actually play out. Rich, what did you? Can you just repeat what you said for the last like forty-five seconds? No, I was trying to enjoy the music. <laughs> Me too. Did, have Sorry. The, did, did the Beastie Boys ever play? Wait, why is he turning it down? That yeah. was it. That was the hint to make it louder. Yeah. It was like no one cares what we're saying anymore. People just want to hear the other wipeout. Which wipeout do we like better? This one. And did these guys ever play on the beach, like Jones Beach or something? The, right? like the Fat one. Boys. Fat Boys or the Beach Boys? Oh, this is the Fat Boys. Oh, I thought it was the yeah. Boys. No, this is no, the Fat Boys. No, this is the Fat Boys. Oh, the Fat Boys. 1987 and, and, Universal Music. Oh, great, Rich. Now we're going to get sued by Universal Music. No, no, maybe they'll shut down our Twitter account, like uh, happened to uh, one of your follow one of your followees yesterday. Well. That's episode 67, everyone. No, I need the beach people. Let's leave go. It it's on. a beautiful, leave it on. Leave it on for two more minutes. It is. Is it going to be a beautiful beach weekend? I plan to go to the it beach is. at some point tomorrow. It's going to be a nice weekend. weekend with enough tequila. I haven't been to the beach in a while. A beautiful weekend. It's always a beautiful weekend with Don Julio, 1942. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you guys. Super later. sad. Wait, how do we? What? Yeah, this is over. We're over. We're out of no, here. No, it's not. We're out of here. Now here we are. We had to get the Beach Boys back in. Can the Beach Boys collaborate on this one? Yeah, that's the Beach Boys. Have a good week, everybody. We'll speak to you next. We'll we'll speak to each other next.